0: Uh, I know the last one was kind of noisy and I do apologize for that we're trying we're trying different approaches to getting these particular shows recorded Uh, as I've said more than once uh, uh, gentleman uh, Dave Yates from a lot of Linux links was my inspiration for these, or at least the way we're doing these, because he used to do his podcast in his car, which I'm sure was a lot quieter, uh, on his way back and forth to work. So I had it where I had some Sansa clips that we were doing some of the earlier stuff on, and. Unfortunately, most of those have died, and the only one I have that will actually hold a charge for any length of time does not have a microphone. We will make sure that in the future, should we buy another, uh, another uh, audio player, that it has the ability to record, because those I was able to get up on the visor, out of the way, Out of the middle of the noise. So, well, last time we talked about my compromised low profile um, radio and antenna installation in the apartments I live in out in Terrell. Uh, It was challenging for sure. However, it uh, is at this point usable. So today, I want to talk about getting on DMR. Or well, getting all back on some of the digital modes, or digital audio modes anyway. And we'll just start from the beginning. I went ahead and got that station set up and was able to start getting into a few nets, talking with a few people, and In the process of conversations that I had and conversations I overheard, it was my understanding that digital audio uh, radios have kind of proliferated above 50 megahertz. I understand there's some of that going on down on HF, but I really haven't heard a lot about it, about what's going on down there. I understand there's a mode that's being run now—that's FT8 or something like that. Which, uh, listening to some of the audio, it sounds like it's probably not a whole lot different than JT65, which I used to run. And you know, I don't know if you've listened to all the, listened to the podcast, this one and the uh, Resonant Frequency podcast. And even some of the uh, Linux and the Ham Shack podcast, you'll know that I'm a digital guy. I like my, my computer talking to somebody else's computer, or vice versa. I was able to attain brass Pounder from running a uh, a local Winlink wind node and Winlink gateway. We were at my father and I were both. The windling gateways here in DFW for a while, and in the process, I was able to put a feather in my cap by adding a brass pounder's medallion. So I like that kind of stuff. Uh, I heard I heard AmTOR and Ritty early in my ham radio experience, and fell in love because. I'm a computer guy. I'm a radio guy. I had my my first computer was a Commodore VIC-20 when I was in, uh, kinda in junior high school or kinda in high school. And then Commodore 64s after that, ran the landline bulletin board system. Uh, some of y'all may not be old enough to remember those or to have even heard of those. But it was basically, I don't know, it was a place where you would go put posts on. It was a lot like Facebook. Plus there were file downloads and games and stuff like that. Anyway, um, so internet came along, kind of killed those out. But I've had some sort of website on the internet Uh, Ever since it got to the point that the World Wide Web opened up where just about anybody could put a website up. Yeah, that's me. Just about anybody. So, back to the subject at hand. Digital radio modes. So, after hearing these guys talk for a bit, I decided, yeah, okay. I heard some of them saying that you could get a hotspot, uh, very similar to um, Wi-Fi coming off your phone or that kind of stuff, and you could work D-Start. Now, I'm not a huge fan of D-Start. Uh, I got caught up in the, in the frenzy when it first came around and spent far too much money on D-Star radios. And at this point, I do need to go ahead and sell them. Not because I don't want to use them, but they're extraneous stuff, and I kind of need to cash at the moment. So I went ahead and ordered myself a hotspot. It came in, and I fought with it. Fought with it for a week or more, and I kept having problems with it. I was trying to configure it for D-Star because I have an ID nine or yeah an ID ninety one uh, AD IC ninety. I got the original handheld, <clears throat> and unfortunately, I think I've mentioned that I've had I had problems with D-Star locally. I decided to take it out. I had the software. I always keep programming software so that uh, if for some reason I end up with a radio that needs it in the future or somebody else needs it for some reason, I'm able to help them out. Uh, Shoot, I've got a Vertex VX150. I bought 20 plus years ago that I still have the programming software for, even though I don't have a battery for it, so I can't really turn it on. So I pulled out the software, figured out, had to remember that that radio, you don't really program, put the stuff in the software and then send it to the radio. I had to remember that you had to have the radio plugged up, and that it was reading the radio in real time, so as you made a change, it made a change in the radio, so uh, that downloading to the radio wasn't really, is not really uh, as time consuming as it is with other other radios. So I get the hotspot in, I set it up the way I'm supposed to, or I think I'm supposed to, I figure out how I need to program the radio to get into the hot spot to open up the reflectors I want to listen to and maybe talk on and I can't get it to work. I can't get the echo test to work. I can't get, I can't link to any of the uh, uh, reflectors keep wanting to say talk groups because I've been working on that DMR really hard. Link to the reflectors and all that stuff. Not to, not to mention being able to unlink from them or check stat, uh, link status or anything like that. So I had been about a week in working with this and it wasn't making any progress and I had decided that there must have been something wrong with the hotspot and I was getting ready to send it back for replacement or refund. So I decided to go back and read a couple of things I had read and go back and watch a couple of videos I would watched over on YouTube. Uh, Y'all will find there's a list for videos on the website. I'm adding those as I find them helpful and it dawned on me that, oh, the simple mistake. The one simple mistake that is always there, it's the one that causes so much trouble and you about pull your hair out and then you finally figure it out and it's so simple. How could you have missed it? So here's the simple mistake. When programming D-Star, into our programming D Star reflectors and stuff into your radio to use with the hotspot. You're working simplex into the hotspot, so you really don't. Common sense would dictate that you do not have to have an offset. So I had programmed all my channels where they just. Didn't have an offset, and what I came to find out is that you have to have an offset set. It doesn't matter which one it is. It can be positive. It can be negative. It really doesn't make any difference. But it can't be no offset. And then you go over into the offset field, which since I, this hotspot's running on in the 440 and 70 centimeter band the offset would be five megahertz. You have to zero out that five megahertz offset. I'm gonna have to cut that. Anyway, you have to have the offset set to zero instead of five megahertz. So I went in and changed one of the channels, The uh, actually the one I had set up for echo test. And for those of you who haven't dealt with d Star. Y'all may have to go look a little bit of this up. Echo test uh, for DMR, it's called Parrot. I think it's called Parrot for uh, uh, Fusion as well, but um, I'm not sure. Anyway, so I changed the offset to positive and then went over and changed the split or the what the offset would be Zero. When I keyed up the radio, lo and behold, it started working. Silly me. It's always something super simple. So I actually didn't have to send that particular hotspot back, and right now that's what I'm using primarily for DMR. So I got on there and I found that, you know. Digital radio modes are kind of. If you're the kind of guy that likes to be in a group conversation, four, five, six hams, having a round table, you know, just talking about whatever, radios and chickens and um, the asteroid that hit, I don't know, Guam last week, you know, all that kind of stuff, then. I really don't see digital modes being good for you. There are guys out there that think they're going to work all states and uh, all countries on digital modes, and they're going to be able to get a big old certificate from the AWRL. But it don't work that way. And I had a couple of uh, operators I was listening to yesterday give me the, the plenty of fodder for an article and a full episode, but. I promised y'all I was going to quit grapping and complaining for a little bit. So, um, they will probably not become famous, and I plan on making them famous. Will not become famous until I'm able to do that episode. But the point is, if I have not found anything on D-Star, and never did, that leads me to believe that that kind of stuff goes on, that... You know, a bunch of folks gathering up and talking together is going out, going to happen. Uh, and now that I have DMR going, I seem to be finding the same thing. Now, admittedly, I've had a few contacts, a couple of guys I don't know, a guy I do know, and it works pretty well. But once again, I don't hear a lot of traffic. I see a lot of people keying up to, uh, to, uh, link to, talk groups, but I'm not hearing a whole lot of talking. So, that's my little sideline. Let's get back to let's let's dial it back in. So, having accomplished getting the uh, D-Star working on the hotspot, and making a few contacts, and finding out that. I could do this, I'm not a fossil. I've been off there for quite a while and DMR infusion came along right after I got off there. I'm slowly getting up to speed. It's difficult to find information on DMR specifically. And since all the radio uh, radio companies are using their own version of programming software because all the radios seem to be set up a little differently in the programming department. Um, I'm having trouble finding some of the stuff I need, simple things like uh, I understand there's a command to unlink from a talk group, manually unlink from a talk group. Um, Somehow you send 4,000 and that Unlinks you. Well, I haven't been able to find any good information on getting that happening on my radio, but I'm still working. And if any of y'all have information on that, you know, y'all don't be afraid to send an email to. I used to get a couple of emails a week from people regarding the podcasts and the website and stuff like that, and that's really not happening. But, just little simple things like that. Where the hotspot is concerned, there's a lot of information out there, but I've been fooling with it long enough that all the basic hotspot information, I've pretty much got figured out. But there are little things. Uh, I actually had to spend about an hour searching on the Internet trying to figure out, sorry about the truck, trying to find out how to rotate what my display was showing on my hotspot because the way it was set up, I was having to have it set on the edge of the shelf I have on my desk with the um, power connector hanging off. So that I could have the uh, dang it, the little readout on top, the OLED, to where I could read it, because otherwise it was upside down. We got that accomplished. I found how, figured out how to change the colors on the Pi-Star software. That that happened also. Now I have a color that's suitable, have colors that are suitable for me, makes it easy to see, all that good stuff. So, I guess we need to dial back to DMR again. So, once I got this thing going, I decided, okay, time to buy one of them radios. Now, luckily the wife has been kind of lenient, because, you know, we haven't done so bad while I've been off for closure at my job due to COVID-19. And I went ahead and, like I said, ordered the other radio so that I would have something that I could reach over and touch and push buttons and be able to get it to do what I needed to do. And we're having to open the window, y'all. We uh, ended up in a traffic slowdown. And I went ahead and ordered what I My understanding was the best radio I could get for the money, which turned out to be an Anytone 878. And I don't know what the letters are on the front and the back. I try not to pay attention to that, but it's my understanding that this one's top of the line and for the price it would have to be. However, it's still cheaper than some of the handhelds I've bought over the years, especially a dual band. Definitely a dual band handheld, but boy has it got a lot of bells and whistles. And I'm a simple guy. You know, all these radios with a bunch of bells and whistles on them, they really don't do much for me. I really can't see why you need more than 100 memory channels in a radio. I can see that in the dmr and the d star radios but i really think that 4,000 channels is a bit much it's kind of overkill and this particular radio uh, apparently they're all in line they're not separated you know back in the old days you'd have this many channels for one one side and that many channels for the other side, and that's the way it was. If you couldn't stuff what you needed in uh, into those, you really didn't need it. And even in a large metropolitan area like Dallas, which I think we're still in the top 10 nationwide, I think, even in a large built-up metropolitan area like Dallas, quite honestly, I don't think there's a hundred VHF or UHF or both repeaters in this area that can be reasonably worked on a handheld or a mobile in a car, unless, of course, you do. Traveling 40 miles from your home to where you work is not unusual here. I really can't see you using that many machines. It also has these other things that I've never heard of before. Talk groups, uh, scan groups, uh, receive groups, and all this other stuff. So I'm still trying to get up to speed on this. I have the original, uh, original channels, that were in the code plug that a guy had me go over to his website and download. And then I've added a couple of analog channels uh, for analog repeaters. And I'm still trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. It doesn't help that the owner manual for this radio is a list of features. It doesn't really tell you how to get to them. It doesn't give you any idea how to program them. All it does is says the name of the feature and then gives a description underneath. And this is going back to partially that Chinese made radios or Japanese made radios that the manuals are written in Whatever language—Chinese, Japanese, whatever—may initially be written in English, then translated to another language, then translated back to English. It's kind of like that stuff we get that uh, here in the U.S. that uh, they sell in Canada, also. So chances are the manuals have been written in French and then translated to English and. It just really doesn't happen. In fact, there's a lot of in the descriptions in the CPS software for programming this radio down underneath it tries to give a little description but there's a lot of gibberish characters in there also which uh, makes it look kind of amateurish for lack of a better word. So I I download this code plug and I put it in And I've programmed, I have turned off the D-Star on my little hotspot and programmed up all the DMR stuff, got my ID number in there, all that good stuff. Get this code plug in and I can't hear anybody. Uh, Now I didn't say I wasn't receiving anybody. I can't hear anybody. Now, I've got this pilot light on top of the radio that, like any other radio, it lights up when you're receiving a signal. And I can see this thing going to beat the band. And then I figure out that it's different colors. It has several different colors on that pilot light. And now we're gonna run the wind down now that we're off the highway and see if it gets too noisy. So it's got this pilot light that happens in multiple different colors, indicating different things. And I see this thing working. And I look at the color and I go try and find out what the colors mean in the owner manual. And I find out that I'm receiving signals, but I'm not hearing them. And I'm starting to think, oh my god. There's another simple thing going on that I'm going to have to do a week of research on. To find out what it is, and then I'm going to feel like an idiot when I do that one simple thing and it starts working. Now, we have a we have a news group on Facebook here local called DFW Amateurs. And among other things, we're trying to coordinate the the, uh, getting together a new club. We're talking about relevant issues, radios and stuff like that. Um, But also, I was making a comment about being upset, and it just so happens a guy I downloaded the code plug from he had joined the group at one point because I have it set up where it will auto-add people. He says, well, what's wrong? Did you put the did you change anything? Did you change the frequency to what your hotspots ran on? And I'm like, yeah, I did all this stuff. He says, well, okay. Let's get on one of the one of the talk groups and we'll see if you can hear me. So I figure out which top group he's talking about, which now I know turned out to be Texas statewide, which is 3148. And that's the one I'm currently listening to most now. But Texas statewide, uh, 3148 and I see the light flashing and I see call signs going across the radio and I'm like, okay. And then he keys up and calls me and it comes through clear as a bell. Well, it turns out everything was right. I just had not done whatever I needed to do And he told me, yeah, you just put it on there and when you decide you're listening, go ahead and key it up one time. You kind of have to do that so you'll link to the talk group. And sure enough, I got in there and I keyed it up. I've been hearing people uh, so far. You know, I'm not a big one for talking across the country. Really not but if I'm going to do that I want to do it on HF. but for the most part, uh, I've talked with guys Tyler is Tyler Texas is about 60 miles away. Ennis Texas is about 30 miles away. Garland Texas is uh, about 20 miles away. And I've been talking to these guys, uh, I did talk to a gentleman in Alberta, Canada one night we talked about the difference with uh, the fact that there was still, it was still kind of icy on the ground where he's at and at the time we were having close to 100 degree temperatures with really high humidity here, what I give for living in, get for living in the tropics. So we were able to get that all going, and now I have a second hotspot, and I'm currently researching uh, how to run both of them in the house at the same time without them butting heads. And my plan is to put that one, uh, put that one back on on D-Star. I'm also researching how I can take this thing portable I have some of those plug-in battery packs that you use to to charge your phone when you're out someplace where you can't get at a charger and that kind of stuff. And I'm looking into that, trying to find some dashboard software that will run on my phone that is pretty good. Hope y'all are writing this down. This is more a reason for y'all to send an email or come over to the group or. Uh, Post something on, a, post a comment on the website or uh, some of that business because amateur radio is always about learning. You're always learning new stuff. If you know everything about amateur radio, wait five minutes. It's kind of like Texas weather. Wait five minutes, and there's gonna be something that you don't know pop up. You know, I'm, it's really working on me. The conversation I heard yesterday and one of those people, he he apparently does not know the rules and regulations. <coughs> uh, and, and I'm talking about the part where it says we are, uh, the amateur radio services, there to provide a pool of, um, Skilled operators and electronics people, blah blah blah. Uh, it's not word for word, but that's basically what it says. And uh, yeah, but I'm still learning. One of the things I did yesterday also is I decided my and would we'll use this to fill up the last few minutes before I get to the hospital here. Um, Yesterday, or well, let me back up. I decided that I need a radio in the car I'm driving. The car I'm driving is my wife's car. No radios mounted, no holes bored in the wife's car. So I I figure I need a radio. I'm traveling 70 miles a day going back and forth to the hospital and Unlike some operators, I know there are places where there is (coughs) bad or no cell phone coverage. And that the internet is a nice toy but you can't really depend on it. I can stand in my house and make a phone call and find out that uh, those two statements are true. So what I did was I've got this old Bofang, y'all have heard me talk about it before, I've got this Bofang that I bought to do a review on back seven, eight, nine years ago when they first came out. And it's kind of sitting on the shelf because I was thinking I was having issues with it. So I walked around the apartment yesterday with the other radio on on my desk and talk to the radio and yeah it sounds a little rough on the the microphone that's on the handheld itself so I got out my microphone and my headset and plugged those in and found out that it sounds considerably better with those even though the microphone is low-end and the headset is low-end uh, it still gives me better audio, and I believe it does five watts high power. And uh, I decided that that was going to be the one I'm using in the car because I recently ordered a bigger, uh, one of the biggest battery packs for it, uh, a cable that will pl- plug into USB in the car, um, car and charge the thing, and that kind of stuff. And I also ordered. Some adapters, so I could screw the adapter into the radio and plug a mobile antenna into it. Now I've had that dual band mobile antenna. That's the one I was using in the house until I was able to get that arrow J pole up in the window. And now it's just—it was just sitting there, stuck on that piece of steel, hanging off my desk, taking up room, kind of getting, generally getting in the way. And I took it out and very gently attached it to the top of the wife's car, ran the cable inside through a door seal with a drain loop on it, Uh, excuse me, Uh, run the cable down between the seat and the oh crap. The seat and the uh, center console so it really doesn't stick out and look bad if I don't have the radio hooked up and screwed it, screwed the end of it into the adapter which was already on top of the radio. Now I was having minimal success. I was only getting at the very least five or six miles either side of the mighty mesquite repeater which I talk a lot about it, but it's always been a good machine, and it's up on top of a a broadcast tower at uh, one of the high schools that sits up on a hill, so it's got outstanding coverage if you've got the right equipment, and I was only getting uh, probably a few miles either side, five, six, seven, with the handheld by itself but when I got all this in place and I keyed up up to try and open up that machine, I was able to get it back full quieting out in Terrell, 20 miles away, and I'm not sure what my signal into the machine was, but the upside of the Mesquite machine is it's not an alligator because they have it set up where if you can't hit it, you can't hear it, basically. Unlike some that have been downtown in downtown Dallas over the years, like the one that's up there now, uh, you can hear that guy everywhere. But I couldn't hit it on 50 watts with my minimal installation in the apartment. And I'm talking about the big radio, not the handhelds. So, and the one there previously was an alligator and unfortunately Billy had tried his best to kind of even things out before it left. Billy being one of the guys that I've known for years and years. um, But it still wasn't like this one that's up there now. The big 700 is what one guy called it. And you know, He's one of those fellas that's a subject for another episode, (laughs) yeah. All right, so I'm currently circling the parking lot. Did I finish all that? Yeah, I think I did. I didn't get a chance to run it on the way in this morning because, um, like I said, I'm trying different approaches to get these files down, the noise in these files down. Um, The previous episode, which is the one, uh, I'll post next, and this one I'll post after that. The previous episode is very noisy, and I fought desperately to get the noise down. Uh, using Editor, I spent uh, two and a half hours or so just trying to get the noise down on that particular episode. And I do apologize for it. If it turns out it's intelligible, I hope somebody will let me know. Um, Maybe I can slice it up and do other stuff with it, go back and try and remaster it. But at this point, um, I'm at a deficit for time because uh, I may have mentioned, I know I have kind of mentioned what's going on in my world and I really don't have a lot of time to work with radios and um, get these shows edited. Um, Upside is y'all not gonna have to listen to Alcohol Fueled for a while because I really can't afford it. So with that, I want y'all to go out. I hope you learned something useful from my experience. Uh, As I get more knowledgeable about this stuff, uh, I will attempt to try and do some instructional stuff about them, or at least talk in that vein. Um, Boy, brave heart. Try and talk and get y'all elmered, which is what we're all about as we move along, as time permits. I am looking into trying to do some videos again. I went over to YouTube and we had, I think it was four videos posted over there at one point from the original run of Resonant Frequency. And only one is still there. The others have disappeared. Now, I don't know if they take them off after a certain amount of time with no views or what's going on with that but I got a surprise for them somewhere way down deep in the archives. I still have those. Now those first two were attempts at doing a live show so people could call in, get a hold of me on the chat group that we were attached to or whatever and they really didn't pan out but there's good, some good information in those uh, the one that was still there was a video I did on JT65. And the third one, I can't recall right offhand what the third one was, or the uh, fourth one, the, the, the third one that disappeared. Uh, but uh, I'm sure because I keep everything, I'm... I had to move up to a two terabyte drive and I've got that thing, I'm already into the second terabyte terabyte right now uh, because I have so much stuff with my personal stuff, pictures of the grandbabies, all this other stuff, and all the radio stuff, which I don't want to put on on DVDs or uh, thumb drives or anything like that because I'm afraid I might lose them. So we are looking for help, our former guy Bill who used to do our show notes. He's kind of got out of the business. Life got in the way. It does. I can't blame him. Russ who helped out with uh, a few things. He's still got Linux in the ham shack and it's turned into quite an enterprise for him. So he got his hands full. Plus he's having to field all this stuff because of the COVID. So I mean if y'all are interested in helping out you can send me an email also. You can send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. You can go to the website at uh, rfpodcast.info or richardbaileytx.info slash podcast. You can contact me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I have uh, my personal account and I look at DFW uh, DFW Elmer's, uh, DFW Radio Elmer's. Anyway, I look into the news group at least once a day, and you know, I'm available. About the only thing I'm not going to give y'all is my phone number because right now I don't have time to field phone calls. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all go. I am here at the hospital. Visiting hours have been going on for about 15 minutes now. And uh, I am a naughty boy because I'm late. Uh, However, it's my fondest hope that this episode is not the nightmare to try and get intelligible that the last one was. And with that, I'm gonna say seven three. Not 70 of them little buggers. And we'll see y'all next time. This is KB5J be